0: Hello, and welcome back to English Link. Mark here with Steve. How's it going today? Fine,
1: Mark. Nice to be here again, as usual. Um, You know, I was just in Boston, visiting with your brother and his family. Mm -hmm. I was very impressed with Boston. It's a very nice city. Mm -hmm. It combines uh, sort of green parks and, and leafy neighborhoods, and you have lakes and a river, and then you have the ocean, and uh, old homes, and uh, historical buildings. It's it's really a very, very nice city, we, we mm-hmm. enjoyed, and we enjoyed being with uh, with the family there.
0: Right. I ne- I never spent that much time in Boston. I'd kind of go in and out when I was there at university in, in Connecticut, but I know it always had the reputation of being a very nice uh, city, and what little I saw of it seemed very nice, but I never spent... Uh, much time there, or did any exploring in that area? I uh, I went
1: to Harvard. Mm-hmm. Of course, you went to Yale, and you used to play hockey against Harvard and right. so forth. But uh, I went to Harvard, and of course, um, it's a nice campus. It's not as nice as Yale. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the various language departments to uh, <laughs> exchange views. They were uh, they looked at it, at me with a certain amount of uh, apprehension, but uh, right anyway, it was kind of interesting. Um, made me think of the U.S. and all the things that are happening in the U.S. And, uh, of course, how President Obama is hes having to deal with all these problems of, of the economic crisis. And yet he has an agenda to introduce reforms. And one area, of course, is in education.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, it seems that he has... Uh, some willingness to take on the teachers' unions and all of the forces that want to sort of maintain the education system the way it is. Mm -hmm. And and really, the education system hasn't changed since... It hasn't changed over the last hundred years. It's the same basic idea. Yeah. Uh, We think that at Link, we're on the cutting edge of a different approach. Right. Uh, Most people inside the education establishment just want to pick and choose a few little elements of technology, but they're not really prepared to change the model.
0: Well, they're essentially looking at how can we do what we currently do in a more—I uh, don't want—I don't want to say clever way, a more uh, appealing way, or a more uh, a fancier way using technology. But they're not really interested in new models. I mean, I think if you look at innovation in industry, certainly that's an industry that has uh, not. Uh, seen its share of advancements in the last... Uh,
1: well, it's so difficult because it's so bureaucratic and such years. a big organization. That mm-hmm. it's, there, there's no real opportunity for innovation to happen except that smaller, smaller companies like Link and others mm-hmm. uh, if we can somehow access because, I mean, most people don't have a lot of money to spend. I mean, the, the, right. they've already paid for the education system for their mm-hmm. taxes so they don't want to spend more money, although private schools are popular with some people. Uh, and that's where I think this whole idea of vouchers is a good idea where parents or other people who want to learn uh, you know if if the taxpayer is going to fund education then fund the learners more and fund the established institutions less well that's the thing I mean anyone with uh,
0: innovation like ours for instance yeah. has to somehow break the stranglehold that the government monopolies have on on mm-hmm. education and uh, obviously that's a big Challenge, uh, but a voucher system would go a long way towards uh, enabling that, and and uh, because then uh, you wouldn't, hopefully, you wouldn't have to deal with the uh, large institutions, because anyone could open a school, and as long as they were successful and people wanted to send their kids there, and presumably there'd be a, some sort of a required curriculum. Um, they can be a lot more flexible than, than enormous educational institutions that exist today.
1: Yeah, you know, the problem is the commitment that any established institution has to the way it operates. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting right now, in the car industry, Fiat is going to come in and reform General Motors, right. well, why, or at least uh, Chrysler. Right. So why couldn't Chrysler reform Chrysler? Why mm-hmm. does it take Fiat? Well, right. often it does take a different perspective to right. bring about change. And there's uh, no guarantee that Fiat's going to make no it happen, because uh,
0: Daimler-Benz uh, tried to uh, reform Chrysler
1: too, and that didn't go so well. No. But But it reminds me of an interesting discussion I had this morning. Uh, there was a recent report done in Toronto showing that uh, employers, wh- wh- what they did, they, they sent out uh, job applications. One where the applicant had an obviously English name and then the others had you know either Chinese names or Indian names and there were more callbacks like 16 percent callbacks for the English names and 11 percent callbacks for the uh, names that were uh, you know appeared not to be English names Mm -hmm. and uh, so I was speaking to someone who works with the immigration department and I said to them I said you know it's not very useful to keep on putting out these negative reports it doesn't encourage the immigrants there is a problem with the ability to communicate Mm -hmm. and after ten years of a lot of immigrants in the workplace the employer is there may be some you know prejudiced employers but largely the employers want someone who can communicate and so if you continue to send out the message that that the employers are prejudiced you're just gonna discourage the immigrants and i said what you need to do is to have a website where you are promoting the examples, using the examples of the successful immigrants. And I, of course, suggested we could tie this to Link and they could learn from it, blah, blah, blah. And he said to me, he said, you know what? Speaking from someone within the government who is sort of in sympathy with with what the political leaders want to do. Mm -hmm. And he said, it's impossible to move the bureaucracy. The bureaucracy has no interest in doing this kind of thing the bureaucracy is interested in making the problem seem bigger Mm -hmm. so that they can get more funding. Right. This is from a person that's in government, he's telling me this, but a person who was brought in saying they're interested in in maintaining the present system so that they, and and, uh, sort of pointing out the problems to justify more money for more of the same kinds of programs. Mm -hmm. So he said try to get a private sector person to fund that kind of initiative. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was an interesting reflection. I right. think this is true in education, and whatever, uh, as I've pointed out, that people are always saying, you know, 40% of the population can't read. And, and so all, all of these sort of dramatic scenarios in order to get more funding. And the right. major motivation is always get more funding. And I mean, I guess it all what comes, we're doing. comes back
0: to, and, and uh, it's it, not to keep beating on the same. <laughs> right. Tom Tom, all the time, but uh, you know, this whole issue of for profit, not for profit, and you're for profit, and you're just in it, uh, you know, because you want to make money. And well, fundamentally, it doesn't matter what business or industry you're in for profit, not for profit, um, uh, charity, environmental cause, uh, government uh, department you're motivated to do better people, that's what motivates people so it's not surprising that uh, bureaucrats are motivated to increase the amount of money that their department gets, increase the number of employees, increase their pay, I mean those are whether they like to believe that they're for profit or not, it doesn't matter what field you're in, the the basic motivation is there for everybody and so whether you start out with the best of intentions in whatever field, eventually
1: it starts to become more about What's going to be good for me right that seems to be the way it goes well I mean every organization c- is concerned about what's good for that particular right. organization so that's so so in a way the smaller the organization the greater number of different organizations the greater the flexibility mm-hmm. and and I think I mean I, I love public facilities and we've said this before a nice park is great mm-hmm. uh, I don't mind the fact that they they plant flowers here and we get to you know the, 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 right. the environment that we live in and, and, and I'm not in favor of cutting all public facilities down to zero. By no means, I think it's a great Mm -hmm. idea Mm -hmm. to have a lot of things that are public and free, like Mm -hmm. parks, like libraries, and so forth. Uh, But governments don't always, uh, don't only bring us good things. And uh, certainly, very few wars are started by private industry. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Wars tend to be started by governments. Right. And so we can maybe move on to another subject, which is sort of some of the world hotspots Uh, We have the situation in Sri Lanka, Uh where certainly for a long time, I think in Canada, people were not in sympathy with the Tamil Tigers because they were a pretty vicious terrorist organization. Uh And now we're seeing in the paper that because the Sri Lankan government has been able to kill the leader, I'm going to try to pronounce his name, they are now carrying on as if the Tamils don't exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, there's been tremendous uh, killing of women and children, and dismembering, and and uh, and the head of the, the sort of Sri Lankan government is, is is sort of being presented as a king and a god, and and the, yeah, we defeated the Tamils in this tremendous sort of triumphalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas 15 percent of their population is Tamil. Right. I mean, uh, you know, is there no room there for some sense of okay, they lost, the, the Tamil Tigers, the terrorists were defeated, but, but still we want to recognize them as a valid, you know, mm-hmm. independent group. It's, it's pretty discouraging to read the news coming out of Sri Lanka these days. I would
0: imagine, though, that, uh, I mean, if that's the government uh, at least expressing those positions, I would imagine that that reflects the position of the general population. Sure. Um, I mean, that has been a long, drawn-out conflict. Uh, and the Tamils have been wreaking a lot of havoc there. Uh, you know on many people I don't know how many people have died, but many of the Sri Lankan the majority there have been affected. So I would imagine that now that it's all finally said and done, there's a certain amount of gloating going on not that that excuses the behavior. Versus the Tamils, but I—I uh, I, I mean, it's not ne- really that surprising that 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 would happen. Right. You would hope that yeah. the people in charge, who are, should hopefully have a better sense of things, would would want to uh, make amends with the Tamils and try and ensure that this kind of thing doesn't keep on happening. But that uh, doesn't look like that's it's the case. It's pretty
1: discouraging. Yeah. And uh, and also, especially such
0: a small minority. I mean, it's 50 percent. I mean, it's not small, but it's know. it's it's a you you are vastly outnumber them. It's not that difficult to be a little uh, accommodating, forgiving, uh, yeah. and and try and reach
1: an agreement of some I mean, kind. I mean, we live with a situation here in Canada where we have uh, twenty whatever it is, twenty three four percent of the population that's French speaking, mm-hmm. and and uh, throughout our history there have been you know struggles between the French speaking and the English speaking mm-hmm. populations, and I'm sure the French speaking. Uh, You know, had hoped that they would have a bigger share of, of, uh, say, the Western Canada as as it was developed, and they would uh, have loved not to have lost the Battle of Quebec, and so uh, however, they've been able to sort of create a position for themselves one that's not always appreciated by all English Canadians. I mean, there continues to be a certain amount of friction there, Mm -hmm. but basically uh, you know, I think the relationship is quite mature and uh, when you see the way minorities are treated in place. i mean turkey is another example uh i mean we have the whole situation in the balkans and uh, lots of places yeah. where there seems to be uh, i'm not that familiar with the situation in europe and in 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 belgium and in spain uh, probably a greater effort to try to accommodate regional you know uh Cultures, yet without having to give up the integrity of the whole, mm-hmm. of the whole country, not, right. not easy to do because you've probably got the hotheads on, on both sides mm-hmm. but, uh, I mean I think that's, that has always been and will always be
0: I don't think there's much that can be done. I mean there's no. always our group versus your group is, is the basic uh, human condition. Well, that's right, and and you know, once uh, we separate our group from your group, then we'll find separations within our own group right. that we can uh, get excited about. But that reminds me today in the paper I read, uh, there was an article put out by the whatever he's called, official languages commissioner right. or something in yeah. Canada. <laughs> okay, what you didn't that hear this. What did he have to say? <laughs> he he said that. Uh, the uh, Vancouver 2010 has to do something quickly right. or else the, the games will not be fully bilingual right. for all uh, that the French French Canadians will not be um, treated uh, or, or not receive the proper uh, French uh, signage and uh, and so on during the Olympics like for instance they rated the Vancouver airport the worst airport in Canada for displaying French prominently and uh, (laughs) I mean (laughs) how many French people are coming
1: to the Olympics Uh, that's you know it's so silly (laughs) it's so silly I mean French the the Vancouver airport has French lots of bilingual stuff but it also has Chinese it has Korean it has Spanish it has it reflects you know the the travelers that are coming through that airport yeah uh I mean if the Olympics were held, I don't know what happened when they had the Olympics in Montreal. Right. Uh but I think if they had the Olympics in Quebec City, there'd be a lot more French than English. I, I, and I don't mind that because <laughs> that's what they not. are. If they had the 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 Olympics in I don't know some part of Quebec which where there was I mean Montreal is is whatever 40% English speaking, but right. if they're in an area that's predominantly French speaking, that's their local color. If they have it in in the German speaking part of Switzerland or in the French or the Italian speaking part of Switzerland, let them show off their local language. Well, I mean, this clown, this clown,
0: he's got to justify his salary, I guess. But realistically, how many people from Quebec are going to come here and say, "Hey, how come everything's in English? I thought I was. It was everybody would speak French to me. I mean, nobody. Everybody realizes nobody speaks French in Vancouver. Everybody in Quebec. Nobody expects to be spoken to and, and handled in French. It's I, it's just solely it's, it's, this.
1: This guy, I mean, let's face it, his Whistler department. is an English-speaking <laughs> town in an English-speaking province. Now, French will have pride of place in the Olympics because it was Pierre Coubertin sure, who yeah. started the modern Olympic movement, and they always use French. And I'm sure that there's they're falling over backwards to find people who can speak French and right. blah blah blah. But I mean, let's, let's not get carried away. Yeah, but, no, uh, I know. No.
0: But the, the headline was like you know or else 20 yes. Vancouver 2010 has to do something now to, or right. else <laughs> you
1: know it reminds me it reminds me of uh, i mean people people are so you know myopic he is the commissioner for languages so what's right. important for him is important for everyone no that's a childish stupid thing to say mr commissioner <laughs> yeah. and uh, if the, if uh, you know if if it were uh, the tables were turned And somebody from Ottawa went into Quebec and said, you've got to have more English signs, there would be a hue and cry in Quebec. Yeah, for sure. This is our chance to show off who we are. Mm -hmm. And they, part of, and and because they are, in Quebec, they're far more sort of cultural nationalists than English Canadians. They they would specifically want to reduce the English content and show (laughs) off the French, and go to it. Absolutely.
0: And actually, that reminds me, another thing he said in this article was that... uh, Supreme Court judges in Canada should have to be bilingual. Right. That, uh, because sometimes they have to write legislation in both languages, and it, we have to make sure that the legislation is the same in both languages.
1: You know, it's a, it's an interesting point, because uh, most Canadians are not bilingual. Mm-hmm. And I would say that most, the majority, the vast majority of English Canadians are not bilingual. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's 10%. <laughs> Truly, five, by five per, truly by 5%. Yeah. And and I have, of course, talked about this because the way we teach languages at school is a joke. Mm-hmm. It's a joke. It's a colossal waste of money. It's a disgrace. Although I'm surprised that, uh, like, you know, people you meet from Ottawa,
0: a lot of them uh, speak French.
1: Oh, from Ottawa?
0: Yeah, and uh, obviously from Montreal. or oh, sure. Or, yeah.
1: But they're surrounded. I mean, that's yeah, different. That's right. And so, uh, obviously, people who are from Ottawa is 30 or 40% French. Oh, it's that many. Oh, it's that uh, many, okay. yeah. Okay. And in Ottawa, people are conscious, that one day I might want to work for the federal government, so right. uh, French has a relevance there for them. And they right. can use it. They can hear the radio. They can read newspapers. Mm-hmm. They're an hour from Montreal. Right. They're across the border from Quebec. Yeah, right. Yeah, that, that can understand. But it's not realistic to expect that people in, in, in Vancouver are going to be right. bilingual. So when you say that for this position, like to be a Supreme Court judge, mm-hmm. you're going to have your whole career, you're living and working in British Columbia. Mm-hmm. You have no dealings with anyone who speaks French. Right. You are an outstanding judge. Mm-hmm. You are an, a brilliant legal mind. Right. You're a prime candidate to be on the Supreme Court, but all your life you should be on link <laughs> learning French so that when you reach the age of 60, yeah, that they can appoint you to the Supreme Court. Right. I I mean I just think that's not realistic. No, that's not realistic. They can have the trial in one or other language languages, uh, language they can provide translation, they can provide interpretation and, uh, and <laughs> I don't think that, that it should be required the French speaking judge Absolutely. I, mean, that, uh, I, know, I mean it's
0: ridiculous translation is not that uh, difficult a thing to do you can have a, a, a tri-
1: triple translation done if you really need to and, and I think with regard to politicians again, you know there's no point in having a rule that you must be bilingual mm-hmm. the fact of the matter is that if you can't speak French, you're probably not going to get votes in Quebec. Right. So that the reality of the situation is going to mean that people who go into politics are all going to work on their French. Right. You know, but uh, no, I think that's that's perfectly... Silly, but he says all kinds of silly things. He said that that they should make it a rule that everyone graduating from a university in Canada should should speak French. Yeah, like we, we like okay, so, so nobody's going to graduate. You know, nobody's going to graduate. <laughs> You're going to force people here. You can't speak French. Come here. You know, <laughs> Listen to me now. Here's French. Learn it. You know, it just doesn't work that no. way. You know, you can't force people. You know, anyway, 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 getting, anyway right. we're paying for that
0: guy. So yeah. <laughs> Well, anyway, I anyway be the commissioner for languages I know. in well, Canada. We'll start, a, a, start a campaign. Start a campaign. On the internet learn to learn petition. Spanish. Spanish. <laughs> anyway, with that we'll uh, sign off for today. Okay. We'll pick it up again next week. Thank you for listening.